0: Welcome to This Week in Lotus. The weekly roundtable discussion of all things social, collaboration, technology and community. Here's your host,
1: Stuart McIntyre. This Week in Lotus, episode 23 for Friday 22nd October 2010. Free as in beer, Lotus conferences and BlackBerry service. Welcome to episode 23 of This Week in Lotus, the weekly roundtable podcast discussing all things Lotus software. It's midday in the UK, 7am Eastern Time, so we're back for another show. Once again, I'm joined by my co-host Darren Duke. Good morning, Darren.
2: Good morning, Stuart. How are you?
1: I am really good, thank you. Had a had a very good week over here. How's your week been? Uh,
2: busy. Let's go with busy. <laughs>
1: That's good. That's good. It's been a busy old week, uh, one way or another, with Symphony 3 uh, coming out GA, as we discussed on the podcast last week.
2: Yeah, I think it's probably like we're getting one major release of stuff at least once every two weeks, I think, is my count I did the day. And Symphony 3 is, is one of my uh, favorite free products f- from from IBM and I, I use it a lot. Uh, and it was actually a pretty flawless software release. So that's, you know, a checkbox in IBM's corner because the quicker one didn't go too well and I guess the Domino eight five two one didn't go too well. So looks like they got the gremlins worked <laughs> out so Congratulations to IBM.
1: Absolutely. It seems like a pretty good release. I've got it installed here, and, and it's it's certainly performing pretty well. I think it's a lot faster than the 1.3 release, so that's going to make a lot of people happy too.
2: Yeah. Um, the way I would describe it is I think Symphony 1.3 is Notes 4, and Symphony 3 is Notes 8.5.
1: <laughs> that's a big step forward. Excellent. Okay, and the other thing we discussed on last week's episode was the... Um, the giveaway of the um, same time book by Marie Scott and Tom Duff. Uh,
2: yes. Yeah, so we have a competition that's still running probably through the end of next week. So probably we'll, we'll close the doors on the competition next Thursday. Uh, whenever the latest point in the world is, is Thursday at midnight, that's probably the cutoff. Um, and that's going to be, so just send an email to ideas at this week and just put the same time book in the subject and uh, that email, we'll just pick a random selection. I think we have two of them. Uh, I've only got one on my desk, but I think there's two of them around, um, and we'll give them away. Again, that's by Marie Scott and Tom Duff. And even if you don't win it, go buy it. It's actually a very good book, and I'm, <laughs> I'm learning a lot of stuff about the same time I didn't know. And that's that was given to us to give away by the good folks at Packet Publishing.
1: Excellent. Okay. So ideas at thisweekinlotus.com is the email address for that. Great. Well, moving on with this week's episode, we've got a um, a talented uh, panel lined up this week um, discussing all things Lotus, as we normally do. So first of all, we'll bring in Andrew Pollock. Hi there, Andrew. Hello. Hello. Great to have you on the podcast at last. Um, can you tell us what you do for your company and, and what kind of areas of Lotus software you uh, you deal with?
0: Sure. Well, I'm I'm kind of a core Lotus software person. I've been working with the product since version 2 in, in like 90 or 91 and uh, I've been an admin and developer all that time, kind of, you know, like being a dessert topping and a floor wax. Um, my focus primarily <laughs> with <laughs> you like that. My my focus primarily with uh, NCT has always been a little bit different from most partners because I focus on uh, secure portals, not extranet, extranets, things like that. So, sort of other companies' versions of Partner World, only without without some of the issues that Partner World has, <laughs> hopefully. <laughs>
1: Excellent. Anybody who's dealt with partner world knows exactly what you're talking about. Great. Thank you, Andrew. It's great to have you on the show. We also have Alan Forbes joining us. Hi there, Alan. Good morning. Good morning. It's great to have you up bright and early on the show. So, yeah, thank you very much. Excellent. Can you tell us what you do for your company and um, what areas of Lotus you look after?
3: Sure. I'm the Director of Product Development for RPR Wyatt, and we make uh, a line of software, the essential line, like Essential Agent Master, Essential Tools, Essential Audit, and... Uh, my personal favorite is a software product called Vital Science, which monitors Domino servers, BlackBerry, and same time. And I have, you know, like like Andrew, been working with Notes since 2.01, so I go way back through a whole string of different Lotus business partners and been into uh, more Lotus spheres than I can I can remember. Uh, but for purposes of this uh, LTAP conference, which we're going to be talking about uh, later in the podcast. I'm serving as the director of content. So, my job for that is to to uh, keep track of all the speakers in the tracks.
1: Wonderful. Yeah, we'll, we'll come on to LTAP in quite a little detail in a little while. And on that subject, actually, we've got one of your colleagues on the LTAP conference, Scott Sullivan, joining us today as well. Hi there, Scott. Good morning. Good morning. And I think you own your own company, Notes Code. Is that right? That is correct. Okay. And what do you do there?
4: Okay. Notes Code is actually a website designed to uh, push the Lotus brand forward. I um, use case studies, product reviews, surveys to help further the the Notes brand and to um, keep, keep people interested in what's happening out in, in the world in terms of what's happening with business partners. And that is what led us into producing the LTAP conference which we'll talk about later.
1: Brilliant. Okay. Well, thanks for joining us this morning. And last, but most definitely not least, we have Francie Tanner. Hi there, Francie.
5: Good morning.
1: How are you? Yeah, really good. Thank you. It's great to have you on the show. You're certainly our most exotic guest so far from the, <laughs> from the area where you live. So, do you want to talk us through what's Is your role? Third world? girl <laughs> I'm, I'm now
2: upset. I thought I was the most exotic.
0: <laughs> podcast. Yeah, you're clearly more exotic than a Swiss woman <laughs> living on a, a tropical island. Absolutely.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, Darren, I've offended you now. Okay, Fancy, I think you've recently moved companies, haven't you? Do you want to tell us what your role is now?
5: Right. I'm now the technical director for North America for Penagenda, which is an Austrian-based software company. We uh, specialize in IT management solutions, but that basically means is we have a Lotus Notes client management um, product. We have a server monitoring product and something that helps you deal with ACLs and uh, and group audits.
1: Brilliant. Okay, and I think we'll come on to some of those topics a little bit later on, but it's, it's fabulous to have you on the show. So as usual, we have a... We have a list of topics we'll work through, basically news items from around the Lotus community of the last week or so, uh, just drilling into some of those areas in a little bit of detail and, and really just discussing them as much as we can. So we'll, we'll kick off with this conference that's coming up in the next few weeks, LTAP 2010. Uh, it's, it's the first virtual Lotus conference, as far as I'm aware, that, that's been organized. And so let, let's hand over to Alan Scott. Do you want one of you want to take on You know, what is this conference and why did you uh, set it up?
4: Okay, we'd be happy to do that. Thank you. Yeah, the, the LTAP conference is, uh, like you said, the very first virtual conference for the Lotus Notes community. Um, again, uh, following along with what I'm trying to do with Notes Code is it's to promote the Lotus brand, uh, to, to keep uh, everyone aware that hey, uh, there are new and exciting things happening. It is a conference uh, that is virtual, meaning we don't have to worry about airline reservations, uh, losing days of work uh, for travel and uh, all the fun stuff that goes along with a live conference Uh, while we certainly love going to live conferences um this uh, gives us the opportunity to to enjoy uh, sessions from industry experts and from uh, lotus product managers and i'll let alan talk a little bit more about um, our our speakers in just a moment but the reason that we did this was um, i've actually been involved in some of the user group conferences and as, as I discussed with uh, attendees, hey, how many colleagues do you have at the conference with you? I found that very few had um, more than one or two uh, individuals at the, at the conferences uh, due to just people just weren't allowed to, to leave for an extended period of time. So I put together the virtual conference, so those who have difficulty getting travel budgets approved getting time off approved to go to conferences to continue their education in, in the Lotus field. That's why we're doing those, the virtual conference. It gives everyone an opportunity to, to uh, participate. In our pre-show survey, I found that uh, um, about 10% of those who have signed up have never been to a Lotus conference simply due to restrictions on budgets for travel. So we're very excited that we're uh, getting people to their very first conference, so, uh, even though they've been involved in those for, for years.
2: And, and that's kind of interesting because I, I I can hold my hand up here. I hadn't been to Lotusphere ever until about three years ago. So I've I've been doing notes for a long time, and it would have been easy for me to to hop on a, a virtual conference. And I mentioned this. I think it was on last week's on on last week's twill, where I said you know Rim have kind of been doing this thing for a couple of years, and I, I think it's actually a pretty good idea. You know, attend a, a a top level conference from the comfort of your own desk and put on some headphones, and your boss may may not even know what you're doing.
4: <laughs> exactly. But it, it, it is going to give that opportunity to those who um, hey, may not be able to get to any of these conferences, even if they're in the same city, if, if uh, they're in a user group there that's in their own city, they're not being able to attend. So this does op- open up uh, that opportunity, and, and we're very excited about it. We're getting a lot of great feedback, a lot of enthusiasm. Uh, we have over 350 people registered already for the conference.
1: Excellent, that's pretty good numbers. So um, just to outline, the, the conference takes place, I think it's on the 27th and 28th of October?
4: That is correct.
1: Okay, and what's the cost for joining?
4: It is actually free for attendees this year, so there's no cost for the attendees. They can sign, register for free and attend uh, the sessions uh, during uh, the 27th and 28th exciting thing is that some sessions will be on-demand. So if they're looking to see a session and they had a conference call already planned for work, uh, say 10 o'clock on Thursday morning, and there's a session at Thursday, 10 o'clock, there's a good chance that uh, that session um, is going to be an on-demand session so they can watch it at any time on Thursday even though it's scheduled for 10 a.m. So it gives them an the opportunity to not have to it's a very flexible format, so they don't have to miss something important at work. They can come back to the show, log in, and watch that uh, session anytime. He said He said free, so
2: every time we hear free, we need to bring <laughs> that
4: back up again. So
2: as, as, as Marie Scott would say, it's free, free, free. So there's free, really no reason not to attend.
4: Exactly. Thank, and thank you to all the sponsors who um, were able to help, uh, help us cover the cost of, of putting on the show.
5: This sounds like a really interesting idea, and with what you mentioned, it does seem to make a lot of sense with the decreasing budgets and travel and all that good stuff. Uh, what I'm curious about is how are you dealing with some of the community aspects? Because one of the, the nice side benefits of actually going to a conference is being able to network and talk to other people. Do you guys have some kind of community chat available or anything like that? Um that allows for some of that interaction, even though everybody's actually sitting at home?
3: We actually do have that built in. The conference conference vendor that we're using has a great interface so that it actually looks like you're at a conference so that you you walk into the general session and then you go into different tracks and there's rooms and there's an exhibit hall. And we're hoping that that sort of familiar interface is going to foster a lot of of uh, chat sessions. Of course, you don't get everything that you get at a live conference, but we think that there are going to be some benefits uh, that offset it, particularly around the fact that it's free and that you can do it from your desk so there's no travel. And if you miss a spot because you're already booked and there's a session that you really wanted to see, you can catch up later because the whole thing is virtual and it's going to be on demand. And the other thing I want to do uh, mention before we go on to the next topic is that we, we have a great lineup of speakers, um, you know, considering the fact that we, we really just started putting this together a couple of, um, you know, weeks back when Scott and I said, you know, it really would be great if there was a virtual conference for the Lotus world. Somebody ought to do that. Uh, next thing you know, we are doing it and we've got um, a whole lineup of people from IBM like Uh, Jan Kenny, who's the Lotus Notes Traveler product manager, and uh, a couple of guys from the same time group, uh, Rob Ingram and Marlon Machado, and uh, even our keynote speaker is going to be Ed Brill. So I think there's going to be lots of great content on there that is uh, free.
2: And, And I'll just rephrase Francie's question. Is there a bar and is there karaoke?
4: <laughs> 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 No, We haven't quite figured out how to do that one yet. But there is a nice little lounge area that uh, you can uh, go into. And uh, if you bump into so you can see who else is in the lounge and then initiate uh, a chat with them. We can also, uh, there will also be a, a session set up where there will be like group chats, like virtual with other type of uh, events. The interface is really cool in the in the sense that if you have a webcam and somebody else has a webcam, you can actually initiate some web chatting via the webcam. So, so if you
2: walk up to
3: someone's booth, booth for
4: instance. Yeah.
3: Right. So he, that's, it. That's,
2: it. that's either a very good thing or a very bad thing. I'm not quite sure. <laughs>
3: <laughs> right.
2: But uh, it's yeah, it's I want I want to I want to applaud you guys. Right. I think this is a, a splendid idea. Um, I, it shocked me when I heard about it that no one had thought about before. Because like I said, other brands, from other vendors are, are doing this kind of stuff. And I, I think it's
3: actually a, a very good idea. Well, thank you very much. It's it's an experiment for us, of course, because we've never done it before. Uh, but as we were kicking it around, we thought, you know, the, the Lotus world ought to have a conference like this.
1: Absolutely right. And, and you mentioned you've got some good speakers lined up. Do you want to run through some of the people that are already committed to being on LTAP?
3: Sure, um, we've got Keith Brooks, who's going to do uh, a couple of sessions for us around, um, you know, trying to understand what uh, what you can pull out of DDM and the server log. Uh, we've got a guy named uh, Dan Lieber, who's going to talk about the options that you have if you're a Domino Doc customer, and given the fact that that's uh, end of life now. Uh, we have Gary Devendorf, who's a, a former Lotus tie who used to present a lot of uh, Lotus Fears and now is, um, you know, still making the case for how the Lotus world and the Microsoft world can can work together uh, from a technical point of view. He's going to do some sessions on that. Uh, we have Dave Cashmo, who's going to he the product manager for Quicker, who's going to do an uh, overview of uh, Quicker 8.5. Um, Jan Kenny, I know we I mentioned, who's the L- Lotus Notes traveler, uh, product manager. I'm particularly interested in what she has to say since I'm a, a traveler junkie myself. Um, we also have a guy named uh, Mark Roosevelt, who's going to do a session on cloud computing and what that might mean. Uh, we have uh, Carlos Casas, who's going to do some of the the uh, political aspects of uh managing, you know, the line of business when you're an IT person and trying to justify, you know, less technology and so forth. Uh, we also have a guy named uh, Dale Jones who is going to talk about the cost of migrating to Exchange because he actually went through one of those, and that ought to be interesting. And uh, we've got some other ones that we're, we're still lining up between uh, now and Wednesday. And don't forget Lisa Duke. Lisa Duke. I'm sorry. She's going to do uh, – some uh, case studies on, um, on Quicker. Really? I'm learning lots of stuff today, but I didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, come on. Come to our conference. You'll learn more. It's free. Oh, no, that's fine. I just want to make
4: sure that Darren knew that uh, she was involved, and you know, we, we were very sad that his schedule wasn't accommodating.
2: Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty busy with these days, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, but I uh, didn't invite you. <laughs> uh, she, yeah, well, she's probably better than I am anyway. I get to speak all the time. She, she's, she's bad. And it looks like we have different tracks. We have admin tracks and developer tracks and management tracks. So I think it kind of spans pretty much everything you want to know about Domino and same time and quick up Have a look at it, both from development, admin, and management. That's kind of good.
4: Yeah. And Alan's done a very good job of lining up a, a nice... Um, A nice lineup of speakers, and I think it's going to be a very good conference. Uh, Again, this is, like Alan said, this is our our first virtual conference, and uh, we're looking forward to um, making next year better than this year, but uh, we're we're very happy with the response that we've had, and great speakers lined up.
3: We're very, very pleased with that. We're sort of skipping over the fact that that the whole thing is being brought, it's paid for, the reason it's free is because we've got uh, a solution showcase uh, full of vendors, and and they're going to have lots of good stuff in there as well.
4: Yeah, do
2: you want to just uh, maybe rattle off a few of them?
4: Sure, we've that got, um, for our exhibitors, we have uh, Crossware, RPR-Wyatt, Department Calendar, GSX, InWare, Metalogic, Opus Neo, uh, Marga Systems, we have uh, connexus and uh, SoftQuest and Superteam so far are all uh, uh, our sponsors, and we do appreciate them very much.
2: Yeah, and uh, that's that's some good stuff from all of our um, vendors that were mentioned. And I would say if, if you attend the virtual conference, uh, go, go see what these guys are offering, because there's actually some good ones in there. A lot of the stuff I use is in there.
1: Absolutely right, and I, th- I think it's worth remembering. A lot of the speakers will be at Loosphere too, so you really are getting a sort of preview of some of the content probably that's going to come up at Loosphere in three months or so time as well. So I mean, it's just tremendous value to to have a free conference anybody can join from their workplace. It's great. I mean, da- Darren, do you see this as being a little bit of the future of, of conferences? I mean, there's a lot of very vibrant user groups around, but but with the cost of travel and hotel and so on, do you see more virtual conferences coming coming up?
2: I, I think they have to, and and I think at some point Lotusphere, while not virtual, I think are going to have to do what Google do, which is record it and stream it. If not immediately, then maybe a uh, uh, you know a, a week later. Um, you know, I think the LTAP is is a step in the right direction for for that. And I, I think is anyone in the Lotus world knows, you know, it's usually not IBM that starts the the, the snowball. Um, so you know, I think. Yes, we, we we are going to see more of these. I think you know there needs to be some type of you know centralized repository, so you know there's not one every every other day where they're overlapping on three days, because that's a problem you see with virtual conferences. All of a sudden, there's like rabbits. Yeah. Um, but but I I do think. This is the way of the future because we are so disconnected. I mean, example, Francie's on a Caribbean island nowhere near us, and we're having a conference here, a, a podcast. So that's just the next kind of iteration of that.
4: That's exactly right. And in, in my research of getting the platform uh, set up for this, discovered that um, companies like HP and even IBM themselves are doing these types of conferences at least once a month for the, for, for different areas of their business. So it is definitely
1: going to be the wave of the future. And Andrew, you you speak to a lot of customers, obviously, in the course of your work. Do you do you see those customers being interested in a conference like this and, and looking to register?
0: Oddly enough, most of the customers that I work with for these sites really don't know they're working with Domino, a lot, um, and and aren't specifically focused on Domino. They're they're really they're really focused on publishing. These these are the content owners themselves, and you know we're focused on on making the technology invisible.
1: Yeah, so they don't necessarily know they're working with Lotus software, and therefore a Lotus conference would necessarily be something they'd be interested in. How, how about you, Francie? I mean, you, you, I guess travel from where you are must cost a fortune. Um, you know, do you, do you see customers you work with locally there? I think you used to work for a, a company actually on the island, didn't you? So, I mean, w- would they be interested in a conference like this?
5: Um, yeah, possibly. I think that there is a. Um... That there is a need for this type of conference for people that don't have the budget or maybe don't have the desire. Um, I think it really mostly has to do with the mindset of the customer that you're working with, of the company itself. Um, this is just sort of like the trend that we saw in training. You know, there's there's no such learning as when you're sitting in front of an instructor and there's eye contact and you can. You can see those light bulbs going off and the ideas sinking in. You can't replace that with a virtual setting. Um, so what what concerns me is that um, you also can't replace that for a conference. However, right, if you have to pick between, well, I can't go to Lotusphere or whatever, so now I'm not going to do anything at all, or I can uh, go to LTAP, which is free, 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 and I can do it uh, from my work or from my house, I think that's a fantastic alternative. Absolutely. So, um,
1: you know, it's coming up just next week, isn't it? 28th, 29th of October, and how do people find out more information, Scott?
4: Beautiful question. Yes, it's, uh, they can go to LTAP Conference, so that's L's and in Larry, or in Lotus in this case, <laughs> T is in Technical, A is in N, and P is in Professional, so LTAP lotus technical and professional conference.com they can also um we have, we have actually have two sites so there's L- ltapconference.com and ltap2010.com and both will get them the information they need and uh, a way to register
1: okay great and we'll make sure that information is in the show notes as well uh, with links and so on too so um that's great okay well mo- moving on there's been a um couple of uh, product releases this week obviously has been symphony three it's fairly significant there's also been a fix pack uh, release for domino and notes 851 it's fix pack five that was released on october the 19th uh darren looking at the fix list there's some pretty substantial fixes in there is that something that you are you'd be looking to roll out across your customers um uh,
2: most of mine have already removed 852 i'm on the bleeding hey, edge baby <laughs> <laughs> great um, uh
1: and one of the things yeah, I, I, I'd, I'd pick out from the fixed list, sorry, is, is new browser support, which is Firefox 3.6 and Safari 5 uh, to be supported for iNotes, which, which is going to be quite a big deal for customers that are running those leading edge uh, browser platforms.
2: Well, and, and I think the other big thing is official support in eight five one with fix Pack 5 for Windows 2008 R2, which is new.
1: Okay. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, that, that's still a, a tricky uh, server platform, particularly with the web server based products. But it's great to see Domino, you know, formally supporting it too. Um. And Andrew, do, yeah, you do a lot of Domino development. Do you, do you develop typically on eight five one, or have you moved across to eight five two, or are, are customers still running older versions?
0: Well, it really depends on the on the sites that i most recently built out. I'm using eight five one. Uh, I think that the I rolled out a set of eight servers on the. Same weekend that eight five two was new, and I, I just, you know, I'm a fireman, but I wasn't quite that courageous. <laughs>
1: um,
0: and and I'll be moving to eight five two kind of in the, in the next bit. I probably won't move to the latest fix pack, honestly, unless I see a problem that I need uh, that fix pack to to resolve.
1: Yeah, and no, I think that's pretty good advice for for everybody. I mean, you know, I, I have customers that that fall into both sort of ballparks. Really, those that try to keep up um, pretty frequently with with new fix packs, and also those that that do. You know, be be quite static, but but move when they obviously have a problem or a PMR that that, that needs that fix, um, and and I guess it's what's best best practice really in terms of of their particular environment and and the level of risk they they're happy to to undertake. Fran- Francie, have you looked at um, A five one fix pack five yet? Have you had a need for that?
5: Um, yeah, to some extent, uh, but uh, since we're helping our our customers uh, work with with our products, basically. Uh, we just want to make sure that everything's compatible. So from that perspective, uh, I'm sort of sitting on the other side of that whole spectrum now, uh, but it's fun to be able to, of course, advise um, customers on on what I think they should be doing. So um, it's always interesting to hear the fix pack and bug fix discussion. Yeah, it is. Go on, I,
2: I I would love to see from an internal perspective, what what makes a hotfix fix and what doesn't? I would love to know what the rationale behind that is. The size of the customer having the
0: problem.
5: I was going to say noise.
0: <laughs> the the interesting thing to tie this kind of back to the to the idea of virtual conferences, I think all of us are part of this sort of larger virtual communities, and we have our sort of day to day, even almost minute by minute conversations now with a lot of our peers. And so the story on a lot of these fix packs and version releases and bug fix releases and workarounds and so forth comes down to, you know, what are your peers seeing? Who's reporting kinds of problems in real time? and, and, And are these solving them? And are they worth upgrading to? And I think, you know, becoming involved in those communities is going to be the best path most people have to knowing when to upgrade to what.
1: I think you're absolutely right on that, Andrew. I mean, you know, so often it's... Yeah, you know, I, I certainly raise PMRs at IBM and, and whilst sometimes you get a fairly quick response back and, and they say it's a known problem, here's your fix, more often than not, it's going to take two to three days. Also, to get that kind of information back. And, and my certain sort of first call is to go to peers, ask, ask whether they've seen something similar, and very often they'll have seen it and found the fix pack to uh, to fix that. So I think you're right. It's, it's that peer-to-peer kind of review and discussion needs to happen more often. It's interesting to know whether through things like LTAT, whether we create those kind of virtual communities that carry forward from that point.
0: Maybe you'll introduce more people to the idea that they exist, which which, which wouldn't be a bad thing at all.
1: Absolutely right, and that actually, as a bit of a tangent, um, it is worth reiterating there are Skype chats for connections and quicker that um we we started about so three or four months ago. That is is for exactly that for those people that that come up with an issue, uh, just need to be able to float it past their peers and get the response back. So um, I, I think there's certainly a case for for that kind of thing going on.
5: And don't underestimate the value of Twitter. Um, I know depending on how many uh, people you follow, it can be a challenging medium, but I've thrown questions out there tons of times before. Hey, who's ever heard of this? Who's dealt with that? Who's seen this kind of problem? And you get an immediate uh, feedback, which is very valuable as well
1: absolutely and and so t- taking us back to fix packs um you know something i i spotted while looking at the fix pack five is, is there's also a fix pack one lined up for 852 which i think is scheduled for uh december kind of time so a couple of months away uh just yet and and so i i was interested does anybody feel that that's sort of the right kind of timing or maybe a little bit long for those that that have rolled out 852 so far
2: i think they're trying to do it quarterly right so that would that would kind of jive with their quarterly fixed pack release schedule and if you read between the lines that's probably somewhere very close to when android for travelers coming out
1: ah nicely pulled together so you think that will be in fixed pack 1
2: uh i don't know if it's going to be that late because it did say november but you know it's it, it it may well be a a a fixed pack for traveler that comes out before fixed pack domino but you know we usually keep them together so I wouldn't be surprised if this may be a dually. I don't know that for a fact. I don't know. I have any information. This is completely a guess of <laughs> speculation on my part. Uh, but I don't necessarily think it's too long. Um, you know, the, the 852 was was pretty famous for the SMTP bug, but that was fixed, you know, within a couple of days. And you could always work around it by putting an 851 mail server in front of it. So I, I haven't had any serious problems with 852 that said to me, that would, that would have me say, don't roll it out until fix pack one. Um, while we're on FixPack, so IBM do need to do a better job of, yeah, uh, releasing tech notes for the AS four hundred people to tell them what the PTF name is instead of having to work it out.
5: Documentation? There's, What's that? <laughs> yeah, really. There's, I'm there's sure a they have dick. a wiki
0: for that. That'll be community driven <laughs> through the wiki.
2: Yeah, now I know what it is. I can post a wiki article. No, I mean it's it's insane that I you know. We've got you got you got an iSeries an AS400 whatever you want to call it these days, and you, you pay an awful lot of money on support, and you get the hot fixes and the PDFs from IBM. For example, 852 the the hot fix one, and nowhere in the document does it explain what the PTF name should be. It took us a good few hours to work it out.
1: And so, sorry to be uh, sort of uh, ignorant, I guess, of the iSeries or the System i. Um, but why do you need that PDF? Is that so you can search that particular fix out for the iSeries?
2: So what, what happens is like all of hotfixes you download it, and it comes down to zip file, and you expand the zip file, and there's a file in there. In AS400, it's called a save file, and you upload that save file to your AS400, except the save file name is not the same name as the actual PTF. So I'm kind of thinking of a good analogy. It's, it's like giving me coffee and then telling me I've got to go make tea. I've got to figure it out. Um, so because the name is not in the file name, you have to actually go and search, you know, all of them Lotus TechNotes that come out, the the LO documents. Yep. You have to go find that, find the specific one, then rename or or, or hope that's the PTF number. And usually it is, but it's, it's kind of a big hassle, um, to find it out. So there's, there's a naming nomenclature on an iSeries where a PTF number has to be known and the PTF number, at least in this case is not the save file name
1: can certainly make that process a whole lot easier. It sounds so. Uh, have you p- put that up as an idea? An idea, Jam Darren.
2: Oh, I don't
1: think so. <laughs> do. Okay, that's what I've got a, that's
2: what I've got a, pod, a blog for a podcast. This is very <laughs> true.
1: And you mentioned as as well earlier on this week some issues you've seen with um with you know smart um smart upgrade and runners and so on. Do you want to bring those up here?
2: Yeah. So this is kind of a one of them things that I don't understand, and that is that with Windows Seven. The, the Smart Upgrade Run-As utility, you know, aka SU Run-As, which is what most people will know it as, um, that is not supported in Windows 7. And this is a bit of a shock to me because Windows 7 is now not new. It's It's been around for 16 months. It was released July twenty second 2009, courtesy of Wikipedia, so that may be wrong, <laughs> but you never know. Um, and, and my issue with that is, is with, with everyone's P and not going to Vista, it was kind of apparent to everybody in the industry that Windows 7, within 9 to 12 months, was going to be the version everyone had to go to. So we're starting to see organizations move to Windows 7 because they have no choice. And yet, we can't upgrade Lotus Notes in place using the inbuilt uh, technologies that the IBM providers, which is a smart upgrade, run as. Now I can do it if if, if they've got local administrative rights, but no one in their right mind runs an active directory domain with administrative rights on every computer. So my 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 query there was is, is why, and I found a blog posting that'll be in the show notes uh, from one of the guys that runs the, the 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 smart upgrade tooling set, and the lot the gist of it is it may well be added by Notes Nine, which is nothing short of shocking to me, that the IBM is going to be eighteen to twenty four months behind whatever the latest or, or whatever the in market OS is from Microsoft. I know. There's some friction. I know everyone likes to hate Microsoft, but the fact of the matter is, still 97% of our desktops run it, and that's what we have to deal with.
5: Yeah, this is really, really unfortunate. Um, I'm personally thrilled that IBM <laughs> attempts to give us <laughs> tools to deal with situations like policies and SU run as and, and smart upgrade. And then basically they don't work in in reality <laughs> um people are are actually running vista they're running windows 7 and um it just doesn't work which you know is precisely why uh why we came up with marvel client because it it deals with issues like that but really when when we get these fantastic tools they should be working on the platforms <laughs> that um, customers use
0: i just want to jump in first that it, I mean, Notes does work on Windows 7. It's just the smart upgrade thing that, that you know. Those are the kinds of issues you run into. the The product works. Just in case Correct. somebody's out yeah, there yeah. listening, saying, "Oh, we can't go to Notes because oh, it doesn't yes. work with Correct. Windows 7." But the other thing, is, you know, the other thing is, Windows 7 is, is a is a is a release that you know, 90% of the world is going to. You can't buy new equipment without it. Essentially, the only good news in this space is that. The Lotus Live initiatives and things like that are really pushing IBM back into the client management world again, finally. And you know, just like 90 percent of the things that we could do with at functions, and even Lotus Script came about because there used to be a rule that you couldn't put it in the mail template if it wasn't part of the development tools. Um, they're having to put these things into the client because they're getting yelled at by clients they're trying to support. So we're starting to see improvements to things like failover, uh, to to you know, and cl- to clusters and things like that, that I think will will push that that envelope again forward. Finally. And
2: and that's actually a, va- a valid point. That that actually, honestly, hadn't occurred to me. Uh, <laughs> that that they maybe have to address this, but it, it does say in 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 the blog posting, which is in the, in the show notes, that that you know, this is not on on the radar at all. Alpha 85 and, and it may be in in, in in notes nine, which is was a bit of a shock to me. And and, and frankly, I agree. It's it's almost like they're playing T-ball for you guys. You know, there you go, knock it out the park. Uh right. and, and 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 you know, Marvel client, I like it. I've used it a lot in, in the past, and you know, you guys do solve an issue. Um and I want to reiterate what Andrew said. I did not say notes does not work on Windows 7. It does mm-hmm. work on Windows 7. What I can't do is automatically upgrade it. To the latest release on windows 7 if i'm using su run as which means non-administrative access that's my point
1: but this isn't the first problem we've had with su run as i mean i've seen it at customers where if they were on version 7 of notes um they could upgrade to say 802 but once they got onto 802 they couldn't then apply 8.5 through su Runners. there was a, a bug an issue in it that meant that once they got to 802 they then had to go around to their clients and reinstall the the client manually so it's 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 kind of a fudge i guess it is that if you have those restricted desktops there's always going to need to be workarounds to make this happen although it, it still seems strange to me that it is such a difficult thing to do with the notes installer that other vendors don't necessarily have those kind of issues
2: well i, th- I think they do i can't install office without being an administrator okay uh, the, the point of the matter here is they have given us a tool that historically had worked and worked adequately. I wouldn't say well. I think Marvel client works well. I think as human as works adequately. Um, on, on on the flip side, you know, you, you can't really tell everyone, we well, need to upgrade to the latest and greatest. We're not really doing anything except fix pack fix packs for eight eight or so move to eight five. And then also, like Andrew said, it is it is getting nigh on impossible unless you go through a tier one OEM directly to get Windows XP on a desktop. It's going to come with seven. Yeah. And so the seven creep is going to increase. And, and the fact that we can't do it is is nothing short of, well, a big mistake. And and I think it's going to affect it again in the long run of, of, of getting the client upgraded to get fixed packs out there and all, all of this good stuff. And, you know, it's, this is not, unfortunately, really the, the first tool, you know. I, IBM seemed to be... A bit behind the times on everything. On I mean, we don't have Office 2010 support in, in the connectors. Uh, we yeah, don't have 64 about,
5: support. Think I about what support. happens when you can't get the clients upgraded. Um, when does that perception of notes as outdated and ugly and old come in? It, it comes in when you can't upgrade the client, when you can't upgrade to eight, when you're still stuck on six or seven, when you don't have the tools to manage that whole process. And this just sort of feeds into that Um we're getting great releases we're getting a new interface and all that good stuff but we we can't really do much with it if we can't upgrade the clients to it
2: yeah and and that's exactly right is you know you put your install base at risk because the, the tooling is not available or adequate to 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 do this in 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 place and I think it becomes difficult especially if you have you know five thousand twenty five thousand fifty thousand notes clients. You know, you can't walk around with a CD and go one-on-one on on all of these machines. Uh, And, you know, I think it is a significant marketing uh, coup for people like Panagenda who have these tooling. (laughs) But I also think it's a bit of a thing to IBM that they don't.
1: As you mentioned a little while ago, down it's it's not the first one. Yeah, we got we've got um you know the the connectors for Office 2010. We've also got Windows 64 issues, haven't we, with the quicker connectors to install on Windows 64, so um, 64-bit. So yeah, I, I think IBM needs to just just work a little bit harder, perhaps, on those areas. Something that came up in discussion yesterday was around provisioning of the clients. In in that, as far as I'm aware, the only way to provision down a new version of the Notes client is to ship down the entire 500 meg. Uh, client and 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 that was was something that i believe was going to be uh, dealt with particularly when they're talking about the workplace rich client a few years ago that that was going to be provisioned down you could have updates pushed out uh sort of granu- granularly rather than, than shipping the whole client is you know is that something that you see a need for is is uh, you know a, a smaller version of the client that's easier to ship out when there are updates
2: um it would be nice to have a diff as opposed like you said the entire executable um, you know, they used to be back in the day the fixed pack one and the fixed pack two upgrades, which were kind of slimmed down and only had the files that were that in- were changed.
1: Incremental um, installers, is that it?
2: Yeah, that was it, that was it, yeah. Back in the day. I don't think they've been used at all since probably seven or four, seven or three, I think is when they were kind
4: of
0: uh, let's not overglorify the, the success of Let's not overglorify the success of incremental installers. I mean, those, those were certainly not the most enjoyable experiences of my career. But the, you know, this is part of their direction, and I think um, without without going off on my typical anti-Java ranting, the, the the Eclipse client is this huge mass of very small files. You know, it's it, like they used to say about a helicopter, a certain helicopter that was a, a billion parts flying in formation. <laughs> and, and I think to a large extent, that's what Eclipse kind of is with the Note stuff in it. So shipping these small versions, you, you, you run this risk of not upgrading the one piece of it you need and, and coming out with a disastrous fix pack. So it's, it's really a, a bit of a conundrum. They kind of have to each time make sure everything is every single piece gets touched.
1: It's interesting to see where Apple have gone with this this week as well. With their, you know, t- discussions about what's coming in in line, which is that effectively users will just be able to download new versions of of, um, of Mac OS X. Um, applications directly to the desktop. And, and, and that's going to be challenging in an enterprise environment, I'm sure. And I don't think they've got any answers for that yet. But it certainly does seem that the rest of the world is moving to sort of very easy-to-install clients, very easy-to-install apps that, that could just be updated almost on the fly. And, and it, it, that seems very different to what we currently have with the Notes client today.
2: Well, And well, in, 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 in IBM's defense, I, I think as an enterprise, I have to secure my desktop. I cannot walk around with an unsecured desktop because God only knows what's going to come down from Internet Explorer
0: that said, I think necessarily making fine and wonderful comparisons to Apple's essential monoculture that they're yeah. going to push even harder. You know, I mean, Jobs came out this week and declared that, uh, what, it, what was his statement, that you know, God help us, Android's going to have four different app stores and people are going to have to choose. And and he found that to be, his quote was that that was a mess. The, the man seems yeah. to have lost track of the idea behind capitalism and he, <laughs> <laughs> you know, even though it's kind of worked well for him, that people might want to pick things from a different place, maybe something that's got some kind of content he doesn't approve of, for example. You know, So I'm not sure I would hold him out as the great example. If IBM was as successful as Apple at making a monoculture, there wouldn't be a Marvel client or an NCT search because it would have to be deployed enterprise-wide or not at all. And it would have to be purchased through the App Store, or not at all. And it would have to meet IBM's specifications, which would mean installation would require three J2EE servers and a truck, <laughs> uh,
5: <laughs>
0: and, you know, and and, and uh, a high-voltage power line from the power.
5: And car. a hamster.
0: <laughs> That's right, and, and a hamster. You can get it like that, or you can get it like this.
1: I have to say, looking at their market capitalization that Bill Bucken tweeted this morning it's working remarkably well for apple, but you're right anybody who who values an open ecosystem is is not necessarily going to improve the direction they're going in. So um, moving on to another sort of third-party extension, I guess, for Domino. Um, BlackBerry have announced this week, although as far as I'm aware, not online, just through a a conference they held, that um, BlackBerry Enterprise Server Express is going to be available on on Domino in the very near future, which has to be a good thing, doesn't it? I mean, it was announced for just Exchange a year or so ago. It's good that they're they're bringing out a Domino version.
2: Uh, Yeah, it's been a while. Um, They used to have the... BlackBerry Express offering way back in the day when like 4.1 first came out like it was free for 10 users and then they forced BlackBerry Professional on the world which was a bad idea because the thing sucked Um, so it's good to see RIM and BlackBerry kind of reacting I guess to the traveler world that we now live in Um, is, is it too little too late I don't know I used to install BlackBerry Enterprise servers, the free ones, and then eventually the customer would get above 10 or 20 seats and have to pay. We used to do five or six of them a week back just even three years ago. Uh, and now, because of their nonchalance in the domino market, I have not installed a new BlackBerry server in on any domino environment for probably two and a half years. And, and so my wondering there is, has RIMS um slap on the wrist to ibm which is what it looked like to me it looked like they slapped ibm on the wrist because a traveler and said you know you're not getting blackberry express until we're, we're we're damn ready to give it to you uh, you know maybe rims tantrum is actually going to cost them in the long run and a lot of people who probably would have installed a blackberry express and probably would have initially started on the blackberry track have, have moved to traveler and are using iphone and there's a ton of people using the beta of android um, I don't know if IBM know that, but that's probably the case right now. So it's good to see, um, you know, especially for the people that have free bears and want would like to use some of their five features. Uh, but Blackberry Express for Domino, I like the fact it's there. Um, I, I think it might be too little too late. And to give credit where credit's due, one of the Brazilian, Brazilian bloggers on Planet Lotus about a month ago had actually said it was going to be released in November for Domino in Brazil, so I think he got the scoop. I don't think... Weber did
0: the other thing about about rim has always been their just incredible arrogance in terms of what they charge for their licensing and their absolutely uh, militaristic manner in which they enforce that you know the idea that people are paying up you know a couple of hundred thousand dollars just to have an environment where they cannot op- fail over safely to these companies with fail solutions you you have to wonder how long that can continue mm-hmm. when between traveler for the domino world and and you know the basic active sync stuff from from the microsoft side how, how long do you really need that most of these devices now are becoming very competitive i personally have i have my storm with my single user blackberry uh 4.1, you know bez free thing and i have traveler on an ipod touch but i prefer to use the traveler and i think a lot of people would be in the same would be in the same boat so it makes you wonder now traveler is pretty open and so if you look at how it's put together I wonder how long it would take, really, to figure out how to make a traveler for Bez or a traveler for Blackberries, I should say, so that anybody can just run whatever the hell they want and not have to pay the, the exorbitant price. And I think RIM has really got to watch it with what they're charging and, and what their attitude is about the, uh, these Blackberry devices.
2: And, and, and I agree. Now, one of the good things about Blackberry Express is, is that just requires a Biz data plan, not a Bez data plan. So, you don't have to pay what I call the rim tax to connect your blackberry to a to a bears, so you know I think that they're starting to see that you know what this uh this this apple cart is is coming to an end. We need to start addressing the pricing model and and they've they've been missing their numbers quarter on quarter on quarter to the point where now they're not even announcing subscribers, so I think Blackberry themselves. Are, are, are pretty soon going to hit a, a pretty big brick wall on the number of, of of user accounts or new subscribers coming to the platform.
1: And IBM keeps on being asked, as you say, about about doing a traveler version for for Blackberry. I mean, it's kind of interesting that um that the Rim was it chairman CEO uh, stood up on the Lotus Fiz stage. I think it was last year talking about some of their commitment to the Lotus platform. So clearly, there's a a very strong commitment from from RIM to, to develop for Lotus. And and it's good that the, the Bez Express has been brought out and, and really emphasizes that, that, that they're not moving solely to, to supporting Microsoft environments and, and are willing to, to roll out the new developments for um, Lotus as well.
5: well.
0: What choice do they have? Let's see, they want to support the Microsoft environment. I seem to recall that Microsoft is in the mobile phone business. They want to support yep. the Apple business. I seem to recall that Apple is in the mobile phone business. I mean, at some point, the only one of their major... Uh, resale channels that isn't making their own competitive product would be IBM. And until you see an IBM based phone I, I don't even want to think about how to carry that <laughs> thing around. An <laughs> IBM J2EE based phone that, that is, you'd actually they put an engine and wheels on it so you can drive it. The, until that comes out my, IBM is the only, the, only, the only place they can sell that isn't directly competing with them.
2: And that's honestly why I didn't quite understand what what appeared to me, again, I don't know any knowledge of this, but it appeared to me a bit of a slap on the wrist where, you know, they released Bez Express. And honestly, to anybody that knows a BlackBerry environment, really the only two things that are different in in, in a Bez server is is the, 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 the piece that connects to the mail server and sends out the mail. And the way the users are managed—that is it. Everything else is identical. The attachment manager, everything. There's only two services that are different in, in, in a Bez between Exchange and, and, and Domino. So it wasn't—it it didn't take what? What? How long has this puppy been out now? Nine months, maybe ten months, something like that. Yeah. Bez Express, you know, it didn't take them ten months to fix this coding problem. It was a reasonably simple coding problem, and all they had to do was pick up the router and the dispatcher task from Bez Five and drop it in here. So it's—it's. It's, you know, it looks to me like this has been a political decision on, on on BlackBerry's behalf to to put a wall up here, and I'm with Andrew. I don't get why, because IBM's only one doesn't sell a phone.
1: Well, we'll have to to wait and see for the um yeah to the. Official announcement. Obviously, uh, Volker Weber, I think, went to a, a Rim conference in Germany and heard this news. So I'm guessing it's going to be made uh, public sometime soon, and we'll, we'll hear the details about the the um, licensing and and how it's going to work. But certainly, I can see it being very popular. There's an awful lot of SMBs out there that have BlackBerry phones now, and 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 the idea of them being able to avoid being paid, you know, having to to pay that BlackBerry tax, has to be a good thing for them, and and for the Lotus platform too. So moving on to the um, the next conversation, um. Planet Lotus as ever is, is kind of in the news. Um, you know, we, we all rely on Planet Lotus, I think, in terms of uh, getting the latest news from the Lotus community. Uh, hot blogs is is one of the main features on that site. It shows you who's been releasing popular blog posts over the last week or so. I think it's five days. It uses its um, period for, for, for gathering those statistics. Um, and and there's been some interesting discussions behind the scenes this week in terms of whether it's possible to game that site and and to create additional you know additional clicks that that weren't there before. Um, I, I wonder is is the hot blogs a device thing on planet lotus you know i think we all agree it's a good site for the community is hot blogs perhaps past its prime in terms of being something that's a big feature on that site
0: i think it's still very very useful i would like to see yancy do some things to uh, prevent some of the the fairly easy game ability but it's not all technical you know there's a great deal of it that's just social you know you 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 end up when, when when it was new, when there was maybe 50 or 75 people using Planet Lotus as a distribution path, the, it, it encouraged you as a blogger to think about your audience more, to make a title that was meaningful, maybe to to do to do a little bit more work to try to achieve that click readership. Yep. Then when it got to be such a high volume of of, of sites, it became more about the sensational but somewhat vague title, anything to get that click, you you get to the site that you've been, you know, you see this promising title or this confusing title from someone who's fairly well-known and you get there and there's just nothing. And I think that works very negatively and that's a social problem more than a software problem. So it's kind of both. I, I spoke with with Yancey, oh, it's it's got to be a few years back when, when it was still fairly new about what was gameable and what wasn't because I'm kind of into that. And... There are things that you can do on the technical side, but a lot of it a lot of it again has to be social.
2: And and my, my, my point here is, you know, I'm I'm as guilty as anybody on the ASW titles. Um, you're only as famous as the people who read or listen to you. So I'm I'm as guilty as anyone else. But if if honestly, if you don't like the hot blogs, just go to M M as in Mike dot And then you don't see it.
1: That's the mobile site, yeah. So that doesn't list the hot yeah. blogs on there?
2: No, it's just a straight list of posts with
0: people's names and hit counts. But there's no. I find hot the hot blogs. blogs useful when it's done right. You know, the, the, so a lot of the ones that pop up actually are pretty interesting stuff coming out from some people. You know, the sites with the hot clicks right now. Somebody's posted something interesting, and that's and that's useful to know. I just hate that it can be gamed so easily. I mean, I, I kind of did an experiment with that the uh, the other day, because someone who I believed was gaming. And I, and I kind of made a point by showing that it could be done very quickly and then stopping.
2: But, and then you still are third <laughs> in the <lists. well, laughs>
0: I, I was actually at number four there before I before I did that. It was just one particular post that I wanted to make a point about, and I added a couple of hundred clicks to it pretty quickly. But And I stopped before I knocked Bruce off of the uh, currently hot topics because I didn't think that was very cool.
5: To me, this is sort of a little bit like, like watching TV and, and, and censorship, you know, within a few days on Planet Lotus, you sort of figure out who has something valuable to say and who doesn't. So having the sidebar with hot blogs, um, should we take it away or not? I think, um, the, that decision is best put in the reader's, um, lap since they can either click or not, but, uh yeah, I think they're probably smart enough to figure out who has important things to say and who is just doing it to get a silly little click.
1: I think that, that's a very good way to look at it. I wonder whether the readers are intelligent enough to, to work on it that way. We shall see. We'll see what happens with that one. Um, ne- Next topic uh, is that Ray Ozzie left Microsoft this week. Um, clearly, this has been very big in the news. Even the BBC I saw over here covered it on their technology segment. Um, it. Yeah, Ray is obviously famous for inventing Lotus Notes way back in in the '80s, I guess. Um, in, in terms of Iris Consultants developing um, the the first versions of Notes, went to Microsoft when they bought Groove five years or so ago, and has announced this week he's retiring from Microsoft. Um, do we do we think he made a difference to Microsoft in his time there? To Microsoft, no. To Groove, yes. At least every six months they were re-releasing Groove.
0: <laughs> is anyone using it?
2: No. That's why they kept having to re-release it. <laughs> you
0: know. He did make he did he did get a lot done there. You know, I think that if I understand correctly, anyway, he was a pretty heavy driving force behind you know what became sync, um, this idea of different things communicating. his whole his whole thing is is this idea of replication, this idea of data in sync. And he's kind of reinvented that three or four times. but let's let's not kid ourselves. He didn't invent notes by himself. He had a team of very brilliant people around him. That he was a very his management style allowed that to turn into something really cool. I worry, I worried for him when he went to Microsoft. Not all that much, frankly, because he doesn't need anyone worrying about it. But you know, I worried about the overall success there because the culture there doesn't really promote that, right? Microsoft is a very top-down organization. You know, you say yes to your manager and no to your employee there a lot. Uh, at least from the people I've known who've talked to me from there. And that's not really an environment I would expect him to thrive in. So he did what he needed to do there. God help him. I hope he made a lot of money. You know, uh, everybody should be successful. It will be interesting to see what he does next.
1: I think, I think the fact it's happened almost exactly five years after he joined probably says quite a lot as well, because I imagine that's probably the period he had to stay at Microsoft for as part of the contract of selling. So uh, I imagine that, that, as you say, it's just a cultural difference as much as anything, that that some people are very well suited to large companies and, and other people's working practices that are very suited to, to small innovative companies. And and I imagine that that's partly why he left Lotus in the first place, is that he, he found that quite difficult to deal with when IBM
0: some people are good at taking an idea and turning it into something and then you hand it off to someone else to take it further and to market and to do things with and then you, you come up with another idea. That's a, a very valid and, and, and an important role in, in a business ecosystem. I think uh, I almost think Groove could have been much better if he wasn't so famous when he started it. Maybe he would have had to work harder to get his initial funding and, and, and maybe not got so much attention so early on uh, that it may have been more market driven.
2: And and I do worry for Microsoft. Um, you know, they don't seem to have a spiritual leader. You know, like like Bill was for for decades. Then then they bring Ray in, and he's put on 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 the pedestal. And and, and he was the guy that was going to lead them out of the all we have is Office and Windows doldrums. Now SharePoint is the absolute cash cow, but you've got to, you've got to wonder where the next thing is. It seems that everybody who is into innovation be the guys that they bought for the phone that was killed a couple of months ago, uh, be, be it Ray Ozzy. All of these people that are famous for that, but they, they don't seem to do too well there. And yet on either side of the fence, I hate to bring Apple as a good example, but Apple is. Apple are very innovative and, you know, admittedly it might all be Steve Jobs. And if, if anyone wants to buy me a drink at Lotus 3, I'll tell you a couple of stories about that. Um, so, so, you know, I think that both companies have the same problem. who, when Jobs eventually leaves, or they can't open him up to replace his batteries again, or now that Ray Ozzie is gone, who who is going to be the spiritual leader at these two companies for innovation, new products, new directions, that kind of stuff? I think, I think there's someone, something missing.
0: Well,
5: so, on that note, who do you consider to be the spiritual leader of IBM?
2: Oh, well, good question. They've never had one. That's why it's like it is. But they don't want one. Yeah, they don't want one. It's,
0: you know, it's.
5: Perhaps because they're irreplaceable. Like, okay, well, let's
0: let's lead. Who? <laughs> well, no. The thing about it is, the, the thing about it is, IBM's culture resists on purpose the idea of a spiritual leader. But then look at look at look at Sun. Sun definitely had a spiritual leader. In my opinion, he spent a good portion of the last ten years of his tenure there making business decisions based on what he thought would anger Bill Gates more than what would be good in the market, and it didn't work out really well for them. They ended up being a, a, an Oracle product now you know so the, the spiritual leader thing has its ups and downs it's very good with the public side but ultimately you need a culture that that really encourages innovation and encourages change and where you have that new things product bubble to the surface where you don't you get your lunch eaten by a small group of people sitting in an office building somewhere in a little industrial park that do have that culture
2: but the problem here is the cult personality always gets the press the drawnish kind of corporation facade never gets the, the press. And just look at the interview on CNBC or MSNBC when it was on. You know, it was touted as this guy mentioned Lotus Live. And he didn't mention Lotus Live at all at IBM, but, but The IBM, the the he did. The or so the interviewer mentioned it once, and it was brushed over. If you would to give that kind of in to someone like Bill Gates uh, or someone like Steve Jobs, they'd have been on that program for 30 minutes extolling the values and how it integrates with everything else
0: yeah that's even if that's not what the they had been there personal. to do true yeah i absolutely agree
1: and that was my my concern when um, bob p moved on from lotus is that i i saw him very much as that kind of new leader to stand up and be on these shows you know stand up on the stage and really push lotus to the mass media and to the technology te- te- technology media even in in terms of that kind of bill gates steve jobs type role and and he's moved on and alistair's now taking that on but i i don't see whoever's in that role enough out there to to deal with the kinds of questions that come up about the future of Notes, CEO, you know, where Lotus is, what IBM's doing with the Lotus business, that that people like, you know, Scott Neely at a son or whoever would would act in that role.
0: The skunk on the table is is there a role to talk about right now? You know, IBM's done everything that they that they wanted with Eclipse so far and they're they're still pushing that forward. But really if you take a look at what Vulcan appears to be and a few other things you start to wonder if if maybe there's a whole other direction coming that we just don't know what it is yet, uh, clearly enough. And I, I think we're all kind of waiting to see where the next piece is. To me, and this is not based on knowing anything because I, I know nothing technically about how Vulcan is going to be built, but it looks to me like another attack to finally kind of replace that old C API, front end that you're sort of stuck in even within the eclipse world you know forms and views aren't getting touched they're not going to get touched they get touched as little as possible there's no there's no desire willingness frankly there's a lot of fear internally about even even making a small change to that so ultimately, that has to get replaced, and maybe that means a new UI standard, and maybe that means Vulkan.
1: Well, it'll be interesting to see whether where the next couple of years take us, and I guess we'll find out more at Lotusphere in January. So those are all questions we can put to uh, to people there, and hopefully get more of a, a guide as to where we're headed. So as usual, we've run out of time to run through all of our topics for this week, but hopefully we've covered a lot of them in that list. Um, we're going to move on now to our tips. Every, every week, we ask all panelists that come on the show to uh, pass on a tip. It might be an event. A, a project they're working on it might be a, a feature that they've used a um you know a site they go to regularly that they can pass on to you the listener uh that might be of some use to you so darren why don't you kick us off for this week what's your tip
2: i have two tips a fake tip and a real tip so my fake tip is go and start an analytics company <laughs> and you will be a millionaire in in literally two weeks <laughs> um, for those that don't know what I'm talking about, literally every week for the past three months, IBM has paid millions of dollars for analytics companies, and they seem to be buying up anyone that has the word analytics in their name. <laughs> uh, on a real tip, this is going back to what we said at the beginning of the show to remind people, uh, entered to win the excellent Same Time Eight Essentials book, again by uh, Marie Scott and Duff Burt, aka, Tom Duff, a.k.a. Duff Burt. Uh, Again, from Packet Publications, just send an email to ideas at thisweekinlotus.com. Again, ideas at thisweekinlotus.com. Just with the subject same time. There's no, you have to come up with some quip or anything like that. There's no competition. It's just a random selection of all the emails we get. We'll, We'll mention, we'll probably announce that next week
0: on the podcast.
1: We will indeed. Okay, Andrew, what's your tip?
0: Well, for a development perspective, get to know the CK editor. It's going to be critical to all your domino apps in the near future. Um, Then on on a sort of more broad tip, I want to talk just briefly about the cult shirt for 2011 Lotusphere, because there is going to be one. We are in the process of developing it. The theme is picked. It's going to be absolutely, I think, the best-looking cult shirt, which, frankly, is not the highest bar to meet (laughs) in the world. Um, it's, It's going to be an actually wearable shirt, I think. And we're still in the phase where we've got a few slots open for sponsors, so please contact me if you want to get in on that fairly soon.
5: Contact you where?
0: um email is, is easiest andrewp at the com or firefighter geek on twitter or you know there's a lot of other ways i'm 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 pretty reachable if you just google me
1: brilliant okay and we look forward to seeing those at low sphere it's always always a bit of a moment when they get revealed at the you know, latest sphere and, and then to to get your hands on one as soon as you can so we look forward to that andrew thank you and francie what's your tip for this week
5: well, uh, above all, with the the fix packs and the SU run as and all these other issues, the, even the BES, you know, what do you think about that in the LTAP conference? Uh, my recommendation to anyone out there is to foster your communities, to make yourself part of it. Like we talked about earlier, there's Twitter, there's online chat, there's persistent Skype chats, there's uh, Facebook, there's... Other ways, there's blogs to talk about the issues that are important to you so you know um, what is recommended that you do or help you solve problems. And uh, yeah, living living on an island sort of in the middle of nowhere, <laughs> I certainly know all about that. Um, so that's very important. And then, of course, to find out more about how to pull off a flawless upgrade, visit penagenda.com.
1: Okay, wonderful. And I think there's a couple of conferences coming up soon that that you guys are um, are sponsoring or being part of. Are you going to be at iLug? Yeah,
5: absolutely. We're sponsoring and uh, presenting at iLug in November, and we are presenting at Admin 2010 Europe in Copenhagen in December, which is going to be a very interesting climate change for me. (laughs) And then, of course, we'll be part uh, and sponsoring and presenting, hopefully, at Lotus here in January.
1: Brilliant. Okay, we'll I look forward to seeing you at one or all of those events. Um, Scott, what's your tip for this week?
4: Okay, well, great. Uh, well, obviously I need to uh, give a kudos out to all of the sponsors for LTAP. Um, and then uh, also when I was putting together the conference, I came across the three, three companies that kind of caught my attention of unique products. Uh, one of those was Rainbowsync.com. They do some storage um, synchronization with uh, file folders uh, but they use a Domino back end, which I thought was a pretty nifty idea. Excellent. There's also opusneo.com. They have a dashboard for quicker. Uh, they ena- enable you to add, add in um, several uh, widgets into a, a, a dashboard plus your email and calendar and then have all of all access to all of your quicker places. Very unique product. And then uh, Crossware, they have a... a a mail signature tool that lets you uh, control everyone's signature in five minutes or less so everyone has the right uh, disclaimer, the right logo, and the right layout. So all three very nice products that uh, uh, was introduced to you over the last couple of weeks.
1: Great. Thank you for those. And we'll have links for all of their websites in the show notes for, for people to uh, follow up on. And my tip for this week is uh, woopra uh, W O P R A, which is a free web analytic tool. Um, so it's kind of similar to Google Analytics, um, but differing from Google in that it has a client. So whereas Google Analytics, you need to go on their website and you can then see your reports, see um, you know, who's been accessing what URLs on your server, uh, where they've come from, and so on. Rupert does all of that, but then you see it in a very attractive, rich client that runs on your machine, on your Mac or your PC, um, and it allows you to see live stats. So you can actually see who's on your site right now, where they've come from, what referrer they came from, what sites they, uh, sorry, what pages they've looked at. Uh, what you know, browser and platform and so on they're using. So it's a really great way of capturing data about your website, um, you know, your trends and and usage and so on. So all the details for that are at Wupra.com. Um So again, that's w w p r a It's free to get you started, and then if, if you get above a certain number of clicks to your site, etc., you you need to pay. But it's a it, I only use the free version. Very very good tool um, to help you out. So those are our tips for this week, um, Darren. I think you have got one more thing you wanted to cover. And do you want to tell people how to uh, get a hold of you?
2: Yeah, sure. I just got an email from IBM saying that Fix Pack Five for eight five one will break Designer. There is no fix yet, so that's a news flash right there. So if we can get this out today, <laughs> that might help. <laughs> we will. Okay. <laughs> oh, actually, for people on the live chat on, on the live stream, and there you go, right? Real news, real time. Look at that, like CNN. Um, so you you can find me on the blog blog.darenduke.net all one word D-A-R-R-E-N D-U-K-E and also on Twitter
0: Darren Duke all one word d a r r e n u k e.
1: Awesome, thank you, and Andrew how do people find you? Uh,
0: Andrew P. at the north.com Firefighter Geek on Twitter uh, Andrew J. Pollock on Skype uh, you can google me, I come up either first or second to the guy at the New York Times yeah. who stole my name <laughs> um. <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty easy to find.
1: Awesome. And Francie, how do people track you down?
5: Tanner at penagenda.com or on our website or blog at penagenda.com.
1: Okay, wonderful. And Scott, how do people find you? Very easy. It's scott at notescode.com. Wonderful. Okay. And just a reminder, what's the URL people need to go to for LTAP information?
4: LTAPconference.com. com. Wonderful.
1: Thank you. And I'm Stuart McIntyre. Um, you can find me on Twitter as Stuart McIntyre. Various blogs, which you can track me down through blog.collaborationmatters.com. Um, as Francie just put in the in the Skype chat, we're like CNN, but with subscribers. I'm not sure. Uh, hopefully we've got credibility. I don't know. Um, so that was This Week in Lotus for this week. Uh, please join us again next week. Once again, we'll be live streaming. And uh, thank you for downloading and listening to the podcast. Till then, bye for now.
0: All opinions expressed during this podcast are those of the participants only and do not necessarily represent those of their employer.